Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. As you all know, we are continuing with our request. We're just plowing right on through the list. And Darren messaged us quite some time ago about a movie called The Triangle. So we decided to sit down and watch a movie. Unfortunately, the movie that we've found and that we did is called Triangle. It's also a a thriller, horror movie, but we're highly suspicious that this might not actually be the movie that Darren requested now that we reflect upon it. So... (laughs) Darren, (laughs) you're out there listening. We supremely apologize if you didn't want us to see 2009's Triangle and instead wanted us to see The Triangle from uh, several years later. So anyway, who cares? We're watching. (laughs) We watched the movie Triangle from 2009, and that's the one we're going to talk about today. Yep. Craig, I have to be completely honest with you. I don't really know how we're going to talk about this movie. It's... Perfectly fine. And actually, it's a quite an interesting movie. I enjoyed it. I loved watching it. However, it's a difficult movie to discuss and talk about because the plot itself is kind of convoluted. It loops around. And, you know, our normal uh, podcast scenario is here we sit and we kind of talk linearly through the plot. And then we talk about the actors and the characters and what happens. And But this movie is not so linear. So it's going to be more tricky Uh, I think, to follow our regular format. We're just going to have to, I don't know, like freestyle it this time around. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to our, you know, usually tightly scripted discussion (laughs) that's right normally it's this very extremely academic planned out you know discussion uh yeah exactly so uh it's basically the same yeah i uh i know what you're talking about i think that the reason that it's difficult to talk about is because it's going to be near impossible if not impossible to just kind of (laughs) blow blow our wad right from the beginning because thank you for that yeah that you're one. welcome you don't want to blow your water right at the beginning usually it's, not yeah. i mean depends yeah. but uh right Be- <laughs> because like all right here's what i'm gonna say i liked this movie i thought that it was clever yeah and i thought that uh you know if you care enough to kind of think about the writing and the inspiration um, I, I think it's actually very clever, but I will also say, and I'm interested to see if you thought the same thing, I found it pretty predictable. Like, didn't you kind of know yeah. what was going on from the beginning? Yeah. Like, not from the very beginning, but... No, like 15, 20 minutes in? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Have we seen this concept before, and so it was predictable, or was it just the sort of thing like, oh, yeah, I get what's happening, and so... I mean, like, I might not know exactly how it's all going to pan out at the end, but I kind of feel like I know it's all going to cycle back to the beginning, and that's sort of how we're going to be left, right? Right, right. Now, also, again, in all fairness, you know, uh, yes, this, we thought, was a request, but I also had recently seen this on a list. I read all these lists on these uh, horror websites, and um, this one was under... um, horror movies that have something to do with time travel or, or, uh, you know, some, some time alternate dimensions or something. Right. So I kind of knew going in that there was going to be that element to it. And maybe if I hadn't known that, then I wouldn't have picked up on it so quickly. But, um, there were also, 
Not so blatant that it was lazy, but there were some, like, major clues. Like, as I was watching, I was like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, little, little things that, like, I felt like, oh, okay, I, I, I know what's going on. But, you know, I think we can kind of, you know, break it down at least, because from the beginning, at least, it seems pretty much like a linear story. It's a little bit confusing in the beginning. The movie, um, was filmed, uh, in Australia, right? I think Queensland. Yes. Not, yeah. Yeah. It's a British Australian film. Yeah. It's supposed to be set in Florida, uh, but, uh, filmed in Australia. And the star of the movie is Melissa George, who is recognizable. She's actually done quite a few horror movies. She was in the Amityville remake. Uh, she was in Touristas, which I remember being pretty good. She was in 30 Days of Night. And her name is Jess in the movie. And the movie opens up kind of ambiguous. She's, uh, comforting a young boy um, and saying to him, you just had a bad dream. Sometimes when you have bad dreams, you know, it makes you think that you saw bad things, but you really didn't. And then it picks up with her kind of doing some mundane things um, around the house, eventually getting in the car and driving away. Mm. But I mean, I was just noticing little things right from the beginning. Like, she, she, she hears her doorbell ring and she comes out and there's nobody there. Uh, and I noticed right away that her address, whatever street she's on, her house number was 237. Uh, and immediately I, that <laughs> number, I was like, why do I know that number? Uh, and I remembered pretty quickly that that's the room from Kubrick's The Shining that Danny is not supposed to go in. And that number pops up a couple of other times, and there are other little subtle nods to The Shining. So I was already kind of excited about that because I like that. The doorbell rings. There's nobody there. She sees a note on her refrigerator that says, Greg, the Triangle Harbor, um, 830. Uh, And then you just see her driving away. We end up at this boat. And all these people congregating on this boat. There's uh, Sally, who's this redheaded girl. Uh, and, and I say girl. These are all adults. Yeah. Downey is her husband. Um, Heather is Sally's friend, who she's brought along to try to set up with the captain of the boat named Greg, who is her friend. And then Victor, played by a very young Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. <laughs> and the last person to show up is is Jess, uh, our main character. When she shows up, she's kind of out of sorts, so much so that they comment on it, like it's a thing, like why is she acting weird? And um, Greg is the one who has invited her. I think we kind of find out that he knows her, like she's a waitress in a diner that he frequents, and they're just kind of starting you know, this kind of flirtatious, you know, relationship or whatever, but he's invited her to go out sailing and he greets her. Hey, what's the matter? I'm sorry. You got nothing to apologize for. What is it? Are you okay? Just tired. Well, listen, we don't have to go today if you don't want to. No, we do. I, I, I want to go. You sure? She was supposed to have brought her son, who presumably is the kid that we saw her with earlier. She was supposed to bring him with, but she hasn't. And she says that he's at school. And we find out that even though it's a Saturday, it's feasible that he would be at school because he has special needs and he goes to a special needs school that's open seven days a week. And that's how it starts out. 
And then they go sailing. They give us five minutes of getting to know who these people are. And all we really learn is that Sally and Downey are kind of douchebags. Like, not huge <laughs> douchebags, just kind of douchebags. Yeah. Um, Heather, we don't really know anything about at all. Um, and Victor is like, you know, this young vagabond that Greg has taken in. And Greg seems like a nice guy. That's it. That's like all of the character development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <that's> it. <laughs> in, in, in about five minutes. And then, you know, it's beautiful. They're sailing. It's great. And then all of a sudden, the wind dies. And immediately after that, this huge, scary storm rolls in. And right before the storm hits, Greg tries to call the Coast Guard and kind of gets in touch with them, but it's fuzzy. But also at the same time, he hears a distress call from a woman, but the reception is so bad that he just kind of hears this woman saying help and that's all there is to it the big storm comes it's scary and the boat capsizes yeah and all of that is the build-up to then what becomes the central plot and i just made that sound terribly plotting it's really not because it all happens so quickly but i wanted to get through it because that's you know when we get to the central action. It's very economical in the beginning. You know, I mean, we we get to hear their relationships quite openly because um, uh, one of the characters actually just basically spells out all of their relationships. Victor, he's staying with me for a bit. He got into some trouble at home. He had to get away. I found him sleeping behind the store at the harbor. You know, we got talking and, and now he lives here. Just like that, you let him move in? Yeah, well, I got three rooms. Can't sleep in the mall. And Downey, I've known him since I was a kid. Sally, his wife, I know her from high school. I dated her for like four days in the eighth grade, so technically, she's my ex. It's economical because we don't really need to know. <laughs> you not know? really. The movie is very plot-driven. It is. This is not a character-driven movie. It's all about this twisting web of plot. At the beginning, I was very much like, oh, taking some notes and like looking out, okay, can I remember their name and whatever? And then as the movie went on, I realized I, there's no way I can keep track of this. In fact, there was really no way I could keep track of the plot itself. It was so twisted and so convoluted that I feel like this movie requires two or three watchings if you care enough to kind of understand how everything connects together. It's not like primer, <laughs> you know, it's not like high level thinking that requires lots of deep thought, but it's just such intricate plotting because what we end up with is a story that is a time loop. It's one layer of activities kind of layered on top of each other through time. If you're really worried, the first time you watch this movie, if you're really worried about decoding it and figuring out exactly what's going on because you think you're going to miss something, I think I would say to you, like, don't worry. Like, just just watch the movie, take it in, and by the end of it, you'll kind of, you'll know what's going on, and none of the little details are really going to matter. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, they, they, they're, they're stranded. The boat is capsized. It, uh, they, they enter some kind of storm. One of them is out from the storm heather is gone That's right. <laughs> we never That's see right. her again we don't we don't know what happened to her presumably she drowned we we don't know yeah but but that's a bit of a mystery right though where's heather and uh so they end up on the upside down part of this boat just sitting around and a giant ocean liner kind of comes into view 
our main character, Jess, thinks she sees somebody up on the dock, but it's not very clear because the sun's behind it. And uh, they end up boarding this ship, and it's deserted, but the lights are on, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a floating ship out in the middle of the sea. The ship itself is called the Aeolus. And of, right, right away, you know, I saw that it was named that, and I'm like, that's got to be significant. So, okay, so I pause the movie, and then I, I pause the movie, and I'm Googling it, <laughs> and I find out that uh, Aeolus was in... Greek mythology, the divine keeper of the winds. He was the king of a mythical floating island called Aeolia, or something like that. And his job was to keep the violent storm winds locked inside the caverns of his island, and he would release them when the gods called for destruction on man. And I'm like, okay, well that's cool, that makes a lot of sense. And then I was mad at myself because... They explain all that later. I'm like, <laughs> 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 I didn't. I didn't need to take the time to do research because they were going to lay that all out eventually, anyway. Yeah, you dumbass. What are you thinking? Another interesting thing that I didn't find in my research, but what they said and is true because I double checked it, is that also in the mythology, Aeolus is the father of Sisyphus, and Sisyphus is the guy that had to, you know, constantly push the rock up the hill and then it would just go down the other side and he was, you know, fated to just have to do that for eternity. Which, in the end, is actually really cool because it ties into the movie so well. Mm. In fact, this, uh, you know, all of this mythology, I I feel like the mythology was their jumping off point for the movie. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't really put it all together until the end. But then when it ended and I was reading about connections and stuff, I'm like, that's actually really clever. So I, I, I do have to give them props for kind of the cleverness of the concept. Well, the director is, of the movie is also the writer. Uh, his name is Christopher Smith. He's a, a British guy. And uh, actually, he's written and directed most of the movies he's done, which is not a lot. Uh, before this movie, he did like four other films, well, two shorts and one other film. And then after that, he did a few more films, some episodes of some television productions. He's got some stuff right now uh, in post-production as well. Uh, this is the kind of movie that comes from a writer-director, I think. You know, it's it's very high concept and clever and like you said, it, it, it really takes this mythology as a jumping off point and has a lot of touch points in there. So, you know, it's it's not the kind of movie that you think you write the script and you send out in the market and see how it goes. You sort of have to believe in this film in order to produce it, I think. And so, yeah, I, I, as a director, I think he was quite competent. You know, the, dire- the, the, the cinematography in this movie doesn't call attention to itself. It's Mm-mm. just good. It's just, yeah. it's just fine for what it is, right? The writing in this movie is, like I said, it's it's heavily plotted. It's short on character, but it's not like these characters are people that are not convincing. Everything's fine. Everything's right. fine about this movie. Well, what I what the characters don't matter so much, except for we follow Jess so closely. Like it really. It's about her. Yeah, on its face, it looks like it's an ensemble piece because there's so few actors in it but really the other characters are pretty inconsequential you really are following jess through this whole thing and she is the one that you are well i guess i shouldn't say you that i was concerned about that i was interested in getting to know right and i thought that the the movie also did something really clever in 
endearing me to her just because you know she's in all this peril she's confused she doesn't know what's going on she's figuring out things as we're figuring them out maybe a little bit slower than us by the end of the movie you know jess is your girl and 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 you're rooting for her and then at the end it pulls the rug out from under you a little bit and i thought that was really interesting too but that's getting way ahead of myself (laughs) (laughs) Well, they board the boat and they wander around and they, uh, you know, somebody says something about the mythology of the character, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and they're just wandering around. And the point of this is that Jess is having this constant deja vu. Right. I know I've been here before. I just feel like I've been here before. They're seeing somebody every now and then darting away, like there's movement uh, down the hallway or something. And then they even find Jess's keys, like her actual keys are right there on the boat. She finds them. She's like, these are my keys. And they're like, no way. Like, no, no, this is like my house key. This is my car key. This is whatever. It's got a picture of my kid in it. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're clear. Trust me, they're mine. <laughs> they're definitely my key. <laughs> Don't argue with me on this one. <laughs> So there's this, and then, you know, they wander around, and they come into a bathroom where, well, they follow some blood. There's, like, a blood trail. Well, first they go, like, to the dining hall. Not only is this ship deserted, it's not decrepit. You know, it it looks like everybody just disappeared. Like, um, when they're in the dining hall, like, there's, like, a banquet set up, like a buffet with, you know, and all the food is fresh and looks Great. And then they decide to split off. Victor goes off on his own because Jess saw somebody, like, when they were all in the dining hall, she saw somebody, like you said, kind of dart off, you know, around a corner or whatever. So Victor goes off and looks for him. And then Jess and Greg go off together, leaving the married couple, Downey and Sally, in the dining room. And Jess and Greg... Yeah, I I think maybe you're right. Maybe they follow some blood or something, but it leads them to a particular room. Guess what room? Room 237. (laughs) (laughs) And they go in there, and uh, the the water is running. They can hear the water running in the bathroom. And they go in, and the bathroom's all steamed up and written on the mirror. Again, a total, another throwback to The Shining. Written on the mirror is go to the theater in blood. Yeah. And so they go out. I feel like at this point, Jess and Greg kind of have a little argument because she keeps saying there's something not right. Every corner we turn, I'm having deja vu. I know this place. And he's like, no, you're crazy. You know, it's just they're the people on board are just messing with us or something. And But they have this little, you know, mild disagreement. And she goes off and she runs back into the married couple and the married couple says something like, I thought we were supposed to meet in the theater. And in my mind, I thought, what? I don't remember anybody ever saying anything about meeting in the theater. Mm. But uh, apparently, you know, they're going to or whatever. And then, I don't know, I, I feel like, like you said, the, the plot loops around so much, I feel like I kind of am getting lost. Those two go off, the married two go off, and then Jess, I think, runs into Victor in the dining hall again. Yeah. But Victor is all, like, bloodied and acting weird, and he attacks her. Yeah. 
and Cries starts uh, throttling her. And she's like trying to fight him off and she reaches around the back of his head and sticks her finger in a hole in the back of his head. Yeah. And this, you know, this whole time we're like, we have no idea what's going on. Why is he attacking her? Why does he have a hole in his head? (laughs) (laughs) So random. Yeah. And so she gets away from him. She gets away from him. She runs to the theater. And in the theater, she finds the married couple standing over Greg, who is shot and killed. And the married couple accuses her of doing it. Mm. And she has no idea what's going on. And then all of a sudden, somebody starts taking shots at them kills both of the married couple and Jess runs off on her own and now she's being pursued by this mysterious gunman in like coveralls and burlap sack over the head and there's a chase between them and like the this person is shooting at her and eventually they come face to face and they're fighting and battling out and battling it out and this is the moment where I figured it out because they're fighting and this person of course is you know costumed from head to toe so you can't see any distinguishing features you don't know who it is but at one point Jess knocks this person down and I noticed out of the corner of my eyes and I paused it and I went back just a few frames and I looked and I saw they're wearing the same shoes Mm. they have the same feet Mm. And at that point, I knew it's her. Somehow, she's fighting herself. Eventually, she, you know, they fight and, and she gets this masked assailant like on the, the ledge of the boat and the assailant, you can, it's muffled so you can barely hear it, but, but they're like, you have to kill them. You have to kill me. That's the only way to get out of this. And Jess does hit her with something and knocks her over and 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 so at that point i felt like i knew what was going on and it turns out i'm right but i don't really remember how she figures it out do you it takes a little bit of time and this is where you know i didn't take notes during this movie and i kind of wish i had i think she yells at this point and at this point she looks over after she's knocked this person overboard and she sees them on the overturned boat out, That's right. Out on the water. Including herself. Including herself, right? And that is who, like, so what? when they were out on the water on the boat, when they looked up at the boat for the first time and thought they saw somebody up on the dock, it's actually her. She's turns away, and at that point, I mean, you know, you figured it out, I don't know, 30 seconds before. Pretty much anybody else would figure it out. So this boat is, I guess, stuck in time in some way. She's on some kind of time loop. And because this person said to to her, you've got to kill everybody. It's the only way to get off the boat. She's got this idea stuck in her head. And so now everything that seemed weird about what we just saw has an explanation because in the time loop, it's now her with this realization that she's in a time loop, going through and doing things. Well, and I thought that this was cool because basically what happens is we see this the last 10 minutes of the movie that we just saw, but now from her new perspective. Yeah. She is observing 
what she just experienced. Yeah. Um, from behind the curtain. And, uh, so, you know, all, when they thought that they were seeing people darting around corners and stuff, it was her. It was always her. Yep. Um, and the person who dropped her keys, it was her keys. It just fell out of her pocket while she was darting around. Right. And they find those. Right. Yeah. She corners Victor, right? Victor comes around there and she you go. corners him and she started talking to him and she's trying to tell him that something weird is going on, whatever. And they're chatting and she, gra- she kind of grabs him and more or less like, uh, in a, in a way, just to emphasize, like, look, stop, like, here's what I'm saying. And she, she kind of chucks him against a wall outside on the dock of the boat. It turns out that she had accidentally thrown him against, uh, there was like a hook on the wall. It was just a hook that was holding like some life lifesavers or something. And But that was what the hole in the back of his head was, is that she had accidentally impaled him on this thing. Then we're cle- it's clear what's going on, right? You know, he's been impaled. Uh, she runs into the ship and she finds, here's the thing, like she starts to find duplicates of everything. Yes. Duplicates of her outfits. <laughs> this is kind of interesting, actually. It's it's a neat concept that this time loop, like somebody dies, then they die in this one spot. But because this time loop has happened, I don't know, you know, presumably 12 times before, there are like 12 corpses <laughs> in this spot right. where she's dropped them. And All so, the same person. Exactly. And so you're seeing the fact that this is not only is she replaying what she's done, but like before this moment that we're experiencing now, she has replayed through this loop a lot of times with the pretty much the same result, which seems very fatalistic, right? And at this point in the movie, you're kind of watching, at least I was thinking, my God, like, how is this movie going to end? Because clearly... Every time this loop has happened, it's pretty much been the same result. Like, the same person has died in the same place. How are we going to get out of this? And and I think at that moment, you know, I, I was very intrigued uh, at, the, at the concept of the film, even though I'd figured out, you know, what was going on. Well, the kind of the, the paradox with these time travel or time loop movies is at some point I, I started to get frustrated with her because I felt like you know what's going to happen. Like <laughs> you, you, you've you've already been through this once. You were just on the other side of it. So like, if you continue to play it out the way that it played out the first time, it, it's yeah. just going to be the same. And there were other times when I thought, oh, she's changed it because like uh, at one point she ends up in the ballroom and she intercepts. Victor from attacking the other her. Right. And so there are two of them. There are two of her there. And he sees that there are two of her there. And at first I was like, you know, if it, if, if she keeps changing things, I thought, okay, maybe if she changes things, the outcome will be different. The determination that I came to is that she really wasn't changing things. It's just that she didn't realize and it didn't even occur to me she finally figures out that the boat comes back every time everybody else is dead. Mm. But for whatever reason, that doesn't pertain to her. So every time the boat comes back, she hasn't died every time. Sometimes Mm. one of her has. But the way that I understand it is that at any given time, there might be three or four of her running around. 
Yeah. She just doesn't <laughs> she just doesn't know where they are or what they're doing True. because she hasn't been through it yet. That also, you know, it made me start questioning, you know, and this is, you know, kind of heady and I don't think that the movie really merits that much thought, but this person that we've been following from the beginning of the movie is she even the original Jess? Yeah. Or is she just a doppelganger? Uh, and, and that, you know, I think is something that her character struggles with in the movie too. Like there are several instances where she has the opportunity to dispatch another her, but she's reluctant to do it mm. because the other her, you know, begs and says, you know, I have a son and all of these things. And that actually gets her in trouble more than once that she doesn't just, you know, pull that trigger right away instead of hesitating. But I, I think that these movies can fall into traps where things become completely implausible. And I thought that this one did a good enough job of making me think, okay, it kind of makes sense. (laughs) There could be several of her. At one point, she watches herself fight herself and kill herself. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we know in that moment, there's at least three of them and who knows how many others there are skulking around, but it is, you know, that whole middle 45 minutes or, or whatever is her just kind of coming upon these things. Like she finds a whole pile of notes that says you have to kill them all or if they bored, kill them all. And she grabs a piece of paper and writes it herself and compares the handwriting and realizes that it's her handwriting. But there are literally dozens, like there's a pile of these notes, like this has happened over and over again. Um, at another point, she like falls down or something. No, she looks down and she sees her necklace hanging in a grate. And as she's bending over to pick it up, the necklace that she's wearing gets caught in the grate and breaks off her neck and falls down into the grate and she looks down in there and there's a whole pile of them. So like this has obviously happened many, many times. The most jarring episode or example of that is the one that you already referred to where she, one of her, not the one that we're following, but one of her has stabbed um, Sally and Sally is running away from the Jess that we know, even though she's trying to say, it wasn't really me, it wasn't really me. And she ends up on a deck that apparently nobody else ever goes to because there are literally just dozens of dead Sallys up there. And I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> and, you know, this movie can... I mean, I think if if it's not well written enough, it just becomes this exercise and what the hell's going on, I'm just going to have to wait and see. And you kind of give up and you lose yourself just in the plot. And, and maybe I'm just not a smart guy, but, you know, I just, I just didn't give myself any credit for being able to figure out all the convolutions as this thing was going on. So I, at one point I just kind of was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to be able to figure this out, you know? Uh, but the writer does a very good job of in, inserting at just the right moment a little bit of intrigue because as she freaking stabs, I don't know, I think it was Sally, brutally to death. And at this moment, I was thinking, she's loving this. Like, she's going after these people with this this gusto that, like, what in this 
what in any of these timelines has happened to her? What new information did she get that made her such a ruthless killer of these people? Mm -hmm. And she says, I'm sorry to do this, but I just love my son too much. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, wait wait a second. (laughs) Like, wait, okay. So there's clearly some connection between what's going on and her autistic son. But now you're wondering, because her son's not been present in any of this before, what connection could possibly her autistic son have to do with what's going on in this ship and making her a ruthless killer? And so once again, even though all this kind of nonsense is happening, and I'm just kind of starting to turn my brain off because I don't feel like I have any hope of unraveling this plotted, heavily plotted time loop, I'm suddenly intrigued again. Mm-hmm. What is it about this that that's driving her that has to do with her son? And so at that point, it's like it kind of snapped my brain to attention again. Uh, and I thought that was a very clever moment, uh, probably about midway through the film. Well, I thought it was I thought it was clever too because we keep seeing these alternate versions of her, and all of them, like you said, are are very violent and brutal and aggressive, and it seems very out of character for her. But I thought that the movie did a good job of and and I, I suppose I should give credit to Melissa George too because as we follow her throughout the course of the movie she becomes that the more mm. desperate she gets right the more comfortable she becomes with doing what she feels like she has to do uh, her plan is she she realizes eventually that once all of her peers are dead, that's when the boat reappears. And so um, she figures out that one of her old selves was trying to tell her, if you kill them all, the boat will come back. And if the boat comes back, you can get on the boat and escape this, the sailboat, the capsized sailboat. Right. Uh, and so that's ultimately what she's trying to do. I mean, there, there's one point early on when she realizes it, that that's what's happening, and the last person dies, and she runs up, and she's... Uh, sees the boats there at, you know, again, everybody comes aboard the liner and she's looking at, um, the capsized sailboat. And I'm like shouting at my screen, like, jump! Like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Get on like, that damn thing. Do you really want to have to go through killing them all again? Like, <laughs> just freaking jump! Um, but I guess you probably shouldn't jump off the top deck of an ocean liner. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's that's kind of it, right? I mean, yeah, we're we're done talking about the main plot of the movie because the rest of it's sort of the end, right? I, I mean, everything starts coming together. Like we we realize that the reason earlier on that the married couple had said, "I thought you said we were supposed to go to the theater." Well, we had never heard that before, but unbeknownst to us, one of the other Jesses had told them that. Um, and so now our Jess tells them that to get them in place so that, you know, she can dispatch them. You know, these little things just uh, come together. Finally, we're following the Jess that has the bag over her head. Right. That's trying to shoot the Jess that's out on the deck that's fighting herself. Right. Uh, and so we're we're on her side of the perspective now. Uh, and the Jess fights successfully fends her off as we saw before and tosses her over the edge and she falls into the water with the bag on her head 
I do have to say, though, that that was the most frustrating part of the movie because I even wrote down in my notes, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she, she's already had this fight before. She's yeah. just on the other side of it. She Like, don't do the what same thing the person that you were right don't do the same thing i know but whatever she does and for plot purposes i guess she has to <laughs> yeah i mean at some point we need to kind of see where this looping kind of ends up and this character falls over the side this version of her falls over the side into the water and then the screen sort of fades out and comes back into an image we've seen before and that's of her laying on the beach with her eyes open looking toward the waves and the waves are coming in and there's her clothes or something i guess her previous costume uh coming at her in the waves well now we know exactly what that is and she gets up and she's kind of dazed and she stumbles around and stumbles forward well we had seen this earlier on in the film and uh she goes to her house except doesn't go inside and kind of looks in through the window and sees her autistic son there painting or doing whatever at his desk inside the bedroom and then sees herself having this huge fight with him. You know, she's mad at him. He did something. He spills some stuff or whatever. She gets just overly angry at it, frustrated, uh, and is going down to wipe it up. And uh, the doorbell rings, which is her, right? So this version of Jess we're now following is the one who rang the doorbell and sort of ran away hid in the in the shed so now we're looping around very much to the to the beginning of the movie and you're like okay this is how it's all coming together but still in the back of my mind i'm thinking okay now i need the answer like how does how does everything that we've seen before how is it going to possibly save her autistic son this is yeah but this is the part that i was saying i thought was so clever because it kind of pulled the rug out from under me because the whole movie she's been so motivated by wanting to get back to her son i mean she has just been adamant about it and like she gets pissy with other characters um if if they question her motivation you know it's always like i love my son i'm doing this for my son um so you're thinking oh my god this poor mother all she wants to do is make sure that her poor autistic son is okay Mm. and then not only does she get back and she witnesses herself and and in my mind i thought oh my gosh it's not just happening on the boat i hadn't even considered that i thought you know it's the boat thing but it's not just the boat thing it's her when I say the rug was pulled out from under me, she's a terrible mother. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She's horrible. Yeah. She's just, she's awful. Uh, she says awful things to him. She, she yells at him and berates him for, you know, simple mistakes that any child, not even mistakes. The re- he spills some paint. The reason that he spills paint is because he sees his mother and then he turns around over his shoulder and sees his mother also outside the window, <laughs> which startles him and he spills the paint and she yells and screams at him and says something like, you know, why can't you be a normal kid? You're just like your dad. He was an asshole too. Like she's awful. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and so it really took me aback because I'd been rooting for this character. Now you realize she's awful. Yeah. But it's kind of like her own epiphany as well. She realizes that she's awful. So she kills herself. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) Thank you for listening. (laughs) There's a problem with this movie, really. I mean, there's ultimately a problem with this movie is where does this cycle start? Where is the point in which the story 
she's allowed to step outside of herself and become a second entity and start looping around, right? And I think that's just a thing that we just have to accept to be able to bring some closure to the concept. But her character in the in film ends up getting in the car with her son and driving down the road. Again, this was all very clever because she, she kill. Okay, when I say she kills herself, I mean that she, the Jess that we've been following, murders her mean self that was just mean yeah. to her son and piles her in the, the car. And so we realize that everything that we saw in the beginning of the movie was this already in action. This was already happening. Yeah. When she was comforting her kid, the reason she was comforting her kid and saying bad dreams make you see bad things is because he had just witnessed her killing her doppelganger. And so she's trying to comfort him for that. That was a cool moment because I thought, ah, you won. You had your redemption. You killed this horrible version of yourself. Now you've kind of come around. You've seen it from the outside and you've been given this chance and you escaped your loop. And, uh, you know, all this is great. But of course, we know that happened at the beginning of the movie, right? So it can't really be the end. And she gets in the car with him and they drive and uh, he distracts her, or she's distracted. I can't remember exactly what happened there. Uh, uh, a, a seagull hits the... Oh, that's right. Um, oh, God, yes! And there's yes. been seagull imagery throughout. Yes! A seagull hits the windshield, and blood splatters all over, and so her son in the back seat is, is freaking out, and she's trying to calm him, but in doing so, she is looking over her shoulder back at him, and she veers uh, over the median, um, and hits a semi. No, 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 no. Before oh, no, this, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. She stops. Right. She stops, and she exits the car to go get the dead seagull. And she walks to the <laughs> to the edge of the road and tosses the seagull over the edge of the road onto the ground by the by the bay and looks down. And you see again, there are like a dozen or more seagulls, yep. dead seagulls there. So suddenly you're like, oh, my God, like this is part of the time loop. This has happened before. Yep. So she hasn't escaped anything like she's still in this. Nope. Something's going to happen. And like you said, she comes back. Uh, she starts driving down the road again. She gets distracted, veers the car off into a semi. The car completely flips over. And uh, she then uh, she's dead. She's dead. Her son's dead. And now the camera pans over. And there she also is standing in the middle of the road witnessing this seeing herself and her son dead uh and there's a guy who walks up behind her and says hey are you okay and she's like oh you, you know whatever who are you and he says i'm just a driver do you need a ride and she says yes so this is supposed to be he also says well when you say you know there's the crash and then she's dead and the son's dead it's a little bit ambiguous but the way that i understood it because she had packed the doppelganger's corpse in the car oh and so i i think that the her that's dead on the road is the her that she had already killed and put in the trunk you think so and I think so, but it's a little ambiguous. I was reading about it online. It's a little bit ambiguous. Um, and so she, the driver, is is somehow has survived and is standing there. And that dri the, the mysterious driver comes up to her. And the, the thing that he says to her is, no sense in trying to save the kid. There's not anybody. There's not anything that anybody could do to bring him back. Mm. And you see this moment of realization on 
her face and he says, can I take you somewhere? And she says, yeah, take me to the marina. And she <laughs> drives him back to the marina or he drives her back to the marina and she sleeps on the way there. And then when she gets there, he says, I'll keep the meter running. You'll come back, right? And she says, yeah, I promise. <laughs> and then we see this, uh, it, it, the opening or the earlier scene of the movie plays out again, but again, now from her perspective. So instead of us seeing all the people on the boat, we see her approaching the boat. And when she comes up to Greg and is acting all weird and he says, are you okay? And she says, I'm sorry. We know now what she's apologizing for because she is putting this back into motion, which means she's going to have to kill them all again. Um, if she wants another chance at this, uh, which I thought was really clever. Now, I, I was reading online that um, the driver is symbolically the mythological ferryman who delivers lost souls to purgatory. Charon. Yes. And Sisyphus, who was the son of that god, Aeolus, which is the name of the boat, the reason that he was doomed to keep rolling that uh, boulder over the hill over and over again was because he had lied to death or something like that. Um, he had, or he had broken a promise, just like Jess breaks the promise with the cab driver, which then puts her in this purgatory of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I think that the suggestion is that this is like her purgatory. She's just doomed to continue repeating these events over and over and over again. And maybe she deserves it because apparently she was a pretty terrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I think I love a clever film like this. I I mean, I think if we really talked about this longer, we could start to poke holes. Probably. We could talk about time paradoxes and we could talk about kind of, you know, like, like at what point, you know, the first time all this happened, right? There was no doppelganger in the trunk. There was no, you know, I mean, like, uh, yes, there was. No, no, no. Because I mean, the, the very, opening... very, very oh, first okay. time in life that this gotcha. could have happened to her. Yeah, she didn't yeah, have yeah. a doppelganger, right? So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you can, you can poke holes in this, but who, who wants to do that? It's just a clever plot. It's a fun kind of movie. You get the idea. It's smart. And it kind of leaves you with this, ah, kind of feeling at the end, like these kind of movies tend to do. So, uh, I don't want to examine it too deeply for those kinds of things. I thought it was smart. I thought it was smart, too. The one thing that kind of bothers me, and I'd kind of like to go back and watch the first half hour again, because the suggestion is that from our timeline, from when we started watching the movie, the Jess that we have been watching knows what's going to happen. Right. And I don't know. I would. I want to go back and see the performance again and see if beyond her just acting kind of funny on the dock, hmm. if there's anything else to suggest that all along she knows what's going to happen. True. Because that doesn't. It, because that doesn't really make sense unless she's just a really good actor 
pretending to be surprised. Oh, I'm having this deja vu. Like, oh my gosh, these are my keys. Like, in theory, she should know all of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. nothing should be a surprise to her. Well, um, and there are things that actually play out differently the second or third time around, right? I mean, like, literally new things happen in the theater. Things happen slightly differently, you know, the second or third time we see it. So mm-hmm. it's not really this case of where the first time you watch this this plot, you know, go through, you're seeing all of the iterations, you know, combined together of what right. could possibly and has happened before. Yeah, you've got to kind of allow for, like you said, you've got to kind of allow for the fact that that maybe there was a first time and a second time and a third time, they can all be different and not necessarily reflected in one reality, which is problematic, right? I mean, it's problematic to the whole concept, really, <laughs> when you when you think about it. You know, you've got to, what's the rule? Like, you only get to see the first, the, the previous iteration play out in front of you, you know? I, it, right. Yeah. But I mean, if this person is truly doomed to loop the same thing over and over again, but she has a free will, she's not necessarily going to make the same decisions over and over and over again, unless the movie gives a really clever way for that to happen. And the movie can't do that. You know, it just, it's not possible. So we've got to kind of accept the fact that maybe we're just, we're viewing some, you know, an incomplete version of it every time. You know, or, or just, you know, that things kind of loop twice and then that double loop just kind of happens infinitum, ad infinitum, you know, I don't know. Right. <laughs> it's hard to well, talk about or, this. Or, or, <laughs> or right. I, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, I think if we were really talking about the, the logistics of time loops, in theory, it would have to be exactly the same every time. Or... I don't know. There would have to be... It always has to end up the same yeah. one way or another if it's going to continue to loop. Um, but that's that's putting too much thought into it. it it's, 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 I liked this. I was entertained. I was really uh, curious to see how things were going to play out. I was surprised throughout. You know, even though... Even once you figure out what's going on, um, I thought that whether it was the writing or or just the, the timing of things, um, you know, finding those piles of things, uh, yeah. and, and especially that pile of dead Sally's, even though I knew it was going on, even though I knew it was a loop, even though I knew it had happened over and over again, that visual representation of it, of Sally dragging her dying body through a pile of dead hers, yeah. like, like that, it was cool. And uh, it, it really kept my interest. I, I did, you know, it's not a long movie. It's only an hour and a half, I think. Um, but it's so plot heavy uh, that it maybe felt a little bit longer, but n- not in a bad way for me. Uh, I, I, I never felt like it was slow. I was never bored. I didn't think it was dragging. I was, I was constantly thinking, you know, what's going on? What's going to happen next? How's she going to get out of this? Um, I, I, I liked it. I would recommend this movie, even to people who aren't huge horror fans. I, I think that if you're a fan of just interesting, twisty storytelling, I think this has kind of a broad appeal in that yeah. way. You know, that didn't have to happen. I mean, you can tell a story like this and not have the pile of bodies there, you know? you. I mean... Right. Actually, it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense, really, that there would be piles of bodies there if it's kind of a time loop. I mean, it's not like we're seeing 
in the same scene, 10 Sally's attacking 10 Sally's when they're alive. Uh-huh. That in and of itself is a cool concept, but it actually doesn't quite make a lot of logical sense, right? But well, it does in the world of the movie because mm, there can't be doubles. There can't be doubles of the other people because they all have to die before they come back. Jess doesn't have to die. There can be multiple iterations of her because the return of the sailboat isn't contingent upon her dying. It's only contingent upon the rest of them dying. Yeah, so but- there would never be there would never be more than one of any of the rest of them, only Jess. Or at least alive. Their right. bodies would be there, right? Which kind of, if you haven't seen the movie, it kind of begs the question: Well, why is it? Why aren't they finding their bodies all over the place? Well, That's... it's because Jess Jess disposes of all of them except for Sally's, because apparently Sally's is up on some deck that nobody ever goes to. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, yeah, because I'm like, well, why aren't there a bunch of bodies in the theater? You know, why aren't the whatever? But yeah, I guess you're right. She does take care of those. I guess right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, I agree with you. I, I thought it was a nice movie. I enjoyed it. It kept me guessing. And just to the point where I was about to kind of give up trying to make sense of it. And I thought, okay, whatever. You know, it, ha- it, it dropped in a little bit of intrigue that made me, that, that had me looking toward the end, you know, thinking, well, what could possibly be the end result of this? How could these things connect? And uh, it was depressing. <laughs> it was very depressing, yeah. you know? I mean, it, it doesn't end well for her. It doesn't end well. No, it's bleak. It's super bleak. And her poor autistic son, who she was a total dick towards, is dead. And there's nothing, you know, that can be done about it. It's just like a good horror movie should be. Super bleak and depressing. <laughs> <laughs> You know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for listening. Uh, we apologize if this is not exactly the movie that was requested. We'll probably get to that later. We will dive into the triangle at some point later. But uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this movie, let us know what you thought of it and our interpretation of it by just Googling Two Guys in a Chainsaw. We have a Facebook page. We have a, a website, twoguys.red40net.com. We also have a YouTube channel you can go to. Leave us a comment, any one of those places, as well as give us a request for any film that you particularly enjoy that you would like us to review. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. (laughs) 